Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind the scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact, I decided to do something different this week. I was invited by two actress friends of mine, Sophie Von Hasselberg and Ariana Venturi, to join them on their podcast, which is called Having a Night, where they focus on all the things that they love about food and the lost art of having a dinner party. And although that might sound a little off-brand to me, not because they're actresses, that part is exactly on point, I am terrified of throwing a dinner party. And so when they asked me to join them uh, to talk about food, having people over, entertaining, and sort of where there is this kind of intersection between the creativity of being an artist and the creativity of 
dealing with food, I actually thought this is exactly what I need. So anyway, I'm so thrilled to share this episode with you. Sophie and Ariana are going to share it on their podcast uh, platform as well. And here is a little crossover of Little Known Facts, Having a Night. Enjoy. Okay. Okay. Let's just start by slating our names. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm Alana Levine. I am Sophie von Hasselberg. And I'm Ariana Venturi. I do think that everything goes really well in audition. Like you're having banter with your casting director until they say slate your name and suddenly everything oh, changes. God. I also like do, you know, when you have to do a self tape and you slate at home. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, watching myself slate, I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm oh, I'll show you guys person. the one I made this morning. Sophie von Hasselberg, I'm 5'5". Five five. I'm like, good <laughs> And I have a passport. <laughs> Which is the kiss of death. When they ask if you have a passport, you did not get the job. They're literally like, how do we graciously and elegantly say Goodbye to Alana. I know. I know. Let's ask her if she has a passport. (laughs) She can leave this country immediately. Can you leave this country because there's no place here that we would like you to act? We need you to go to another land. Oh, my God. So this is thrilling for me. For us, it's thrilling because we haven't had... We haven't had somebody who doesn't like throwing dinner parties on the podcast yet. Yes. So this is particularly important. Okay, but this is the thing. So, so okay, guys, little known facts, listeners, this is like um, a crossover hybrid episode mm-hmm. where having a night, which is Sophie and Ari's podcast and my podcast are all together in a very humid room, uh, <laughs> podcasting together. We're going to be naked by the end. By the end, if not already. And this is Strip the beauty of audio. Um, yes. <laughs> Every time we say the word podcast, we have to take off one (laughs) garment of clothing and you have to do the same at home. This is all going differently than I expected for three o'clock on a Friday afternoon. But when our mutual agents uh, talked to us about doing this and I listened to your podcast, I thought, oh my goodness, there really is someone in the universe looking out for me going, Alana, you just renovated your apartment and have (gasps) the most beautiful kitchen. You need people to help you learn how to use it. Can we come over? Yes, absolutely. It needs like you two to come and like, it's like a virgin kitchen. Oh my God. You don't understand how exciting a virgin kitchen is for us. (laughs) The the potential of a conquest. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And that I've been always incredibly intimidated. I love having people over and I'm fantastic at ordering things for a dinner. Mm -hmm. And I know exactly which Trader Joe's appetizers are delicious Mm -hmm. to pass around as hors d'oeuvres. You like to get into that? So maybe we could talk about that. (laughs) But I guess this podcast episode to me, where it might really land beautifully for everyone listening is how to Take your creativity and your passion and use it for good in all sorts of areas and not be afraid of changing lanes from one lane to the other. Um, Just because you've been doing one thing for a long time doesn't mean you can't learn another new thing. And fear is a very big thing in my life. I'm scared it won't be good enough, so I don't even want to. Like, I know Trader Joe's got it. Whole Foods, they already know how to do it. And I can even put it in like a pan and make it look like, you know, I'm a wife on Mad Men and I cooked it myself um, in full makeup. So I guess I wanted to ask you guys, you beautiful actresses who are friends who went to Yale together and now here we are. (laughs) And earlier before we went on air, it became clear that 
through you, my daughter's going to go to any college she wants to go. So thank you for that. You're so welcome. <laughs> Just the head of admissions for two universities masquerading as actresses. It's, like, it's a strange gig, but yeah. it's working. But we do it well. <laughs> Where did um, this love that you guys share of making beautiful food and making evenings for your friends that will be lovely. Where did this connection for the two of you begin? Well, it really started, it started when we did the show in the Berkshires, where I think neither of us knew that the other person was as obsessed Mm -hmm. as As we each were. were. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But it was really pretty seamless. It was just like, oh, oh, we both love to do this thing. We want to cultivate this into something that is more than just having friends over. So like, of course it started out as just, we would throw a lot of dinner parties together, yeah. but then the more, you know, I think it's that complicated thing of like, you graduate from grad school, from drama school, from college, whatever. And your whole life or however many years you've been an actor, you're saying, no, I'm an actor. Right. I don't do other things. Mm-hmm. So like if I do other things, that means that I'm taking away from the thing that is supposed to be my main art which means that then I'm not dedicated. You know, I think there is like a lot of fear and shame that actually also goes into being an actor in that way of like, well, right. I'm never going to make it. Do this yes, exactly. To my best like, ability. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I have a distraction, mm-hmm. then I must mm-hmm. not be putting in enough time, effort, et cetera. And I think, you know, once we graduated and we realized that like, no, having other passions just serves to enhance your work as an actor, I think that was when we really started figuring out what we wanted this to be. And we started out, we're like, okay, maybe it'll be a blog. And then yeah. we're not big photo, like we're not big into taking pictures. Yeah. We're not big into like writing a blog. So it sort of went through all these developments. Then we landed on this because we love, we love to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We love to talk to each other. And then that it could sort of become this sort of freewheeling conversation that really focuses on dinner parties, but also incorporates our friends, it incorporates themes, it incorporates costumes, like all of these other fun elements that we love so much. Yeah. Wait, your dinners include costumes? Sometimes. Sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God, for our Oscars party, Ari basically dressed up as Gwyneth Paltrow. From, I did. You know, in the her year Oscar that she won. winning pink dress. Yes. Indeed, yes. It's, there's I a did. very, very great photo of Ari <laughs> on our Instagram holding a bottle of white wine that looks just like an Oscar. It's perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Well done, you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I also happen to think that. You know, Sophie and I both had these big connections to cooking just through growing up, and lots of people do. But for me, it's always gone hand-in-hand with acting because I've always found that if I'm doing a show or rehearsing or taking a class, if I can go home and do something that occupies my hands, my body, my imagination, my mind can wander. And there have been scientific studies about this, the you know, doodling, uh, knitting, things that uh, you use your hands, you can... It just frees your mind. And so I always found that I could have um, kind of prolific thoughts about whatever show I was working uh-huh. on while I was doing this other activity. And then my second point that I wanted to make is that I think in the theater world especially and maybe film and TV too, dinner is an incredibly sacred thing. So I think actors love to eat and hang out and whether they're just like commiserating. The exactly. The post-show ritual of yeah. having right. a drink or having a late night uh, meal yes, together. Exactly. And I think it's this thing that almost every show I've ever done, the cast will get together and like, oh, maybe tonight we'll even if we're just bringing Ritz crackers to the to our dressing room. It's like this 
uh, ritualistic thing that we do. Ritz crackers. You know, I get fancy. I could do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was funny when you said, like, you used the word seamless earlier, and I was like, right, that's what I use for dinner a lot. Like, I order (laughs) seamless, and you were talking about it in this whole other way. I also think that as actors, anything that you can control is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. So maybe you can get the job or not get the job, but you can control the meal that you make. That's your art and your creativity that no one has to give you permission to do it. And I think there's also something like, you know, when you are working as an actor, it feels like you are somehow being, hopefully, that you're like being generous in some way, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're sharing your take on a character with the world and sometimes you don't get to do that and it's really painful. And so getting to to be generous with your friends and with the people in your life through cooking and through hosting. It's just another way of kind of like getting the same outcome in some strange way. Yeah. I mean, if they're both entertain, you're entertaining. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You, know? you are literally entertaining. Yeah. yeah. So you are like the USO of chefs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You got it. So I just want to back up a little bit so that my listeners have some sense of who it is that I'm talking to. Please. Um, so why don't you, A, when you talk about what food was in your child and your child, your child, you don't have a child. No. Nope. You had a childhood. Um, <laughs> you both had childhoods, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were alive before you walked into this podcast booth today. So where did you grow up? What did food mean in your family? Oh my god, I love this question. It's so massive. Like, say goodbye to the next two hours of your life. No, <laughs> we're booked. We're booked that long. Let's have a truncated version of where you grew up and what did food mean in your life. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Ari, I grew up in Chicago. Um, my dad's family's from Italy. My mom is Russian Jewish. Uh, both big families that love to cook and eat. Um, yeah, and we just, you know, I grew up with both of my parents cooking a lot, and we didn't go out a lot. We always had dinner. We always had dinner together around the table, and we would go around the table and say what we did. And no matter how busy any, I have two sisters. Um, no Where matter. Where are you in the family? I'm the life? eldest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and actually, my middle sister is a sick baker. She's a really, really amazing. Uh, Not an unhealthy baker, but a sick, like, <laughs> like freaking cool, amazing, like, ama- sick, like badass, like. Yeah, <laughs> like tattoos. The yeah. way the kids are talking now. No, yeah. she's in, she's like a savant. Um, so there are people in my family who are in the food industry as well. And, and yeah, so I just grew up. But around your parents and shared it. recipes with you, or you were in yes. the kitchen with them. Did I your was parents in the kitchen with them too. together. Um, they did, and and they took turns. Um, but yeah, it was just always a big communal thing for both those cultures and for my family specifically, and just a way for people to come together. And, yeah, talk and make food and then talk and eat food. And it was just a really lovely tradition. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, similarly, we would always have dinner together every night, me, my mom, and my dad. So your mom is Bette Midler. Yes, she is. So she was working. And your father, also an artist. Yep. Mm -hmm. They would be working a lot. Yeah. Were you traveling from set to set or were you at home and yeah, how did it work? Was, so when I was young, I would go on tour with her. I would, you know, visit her on set a lot. 
um, as I got older, obviously school became a bigger part of my life. And also it's like, you don't always want to be gone. You right. know, you want to be there so that you can be with your friends yeah, and exactly, have continuity. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Did you grow up on the West pot. coast or the East coast? I grew I'm up. I'm sorry. Sort of. <laughs> nope. No, you didn't. Vassar no, and did Yale admissions officers. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but I guess when they were in home, things could happen that couldn't happen when they were home. I think no, is what you mean. I, yeah. I'm a very, very good kid. Yes. Um, yeah. No, so I grew up in LA till I was seven. Okay. And then New York since then, but we kept our house out there. And so every year since we left, I've spent like probably somewhere between three weeks and like six months out there. So yeah. I feel very luckily, knock on wood, at home in both. Did mm-hmm. your parents cook? Oh yeah. Okay. Food so her is dad is an incredible cook. Big Argentinian? German. German. Born in Argentina, but left when he was three. Okay. So if he says he's Argentinian, he's full of shit. Um Well, We'll have him on the show and we'll talk about that. <laughs> exactly. Why no, I'm he... not. Yeah. Um, but we'll so he's German, came from like, you know, a German family where food is just such a huge part of it. All of his brothers cook. His dad cooked. His mom cooked. He is an incredible cook. Never uses recipes. Just like has, I mean. He's the, a savant. He is, it's, it is nutty. I, 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 so when growing up, like there were no snacks in my house, you would open the refrigerator and be like. But there's no food here. That's the worst house to come to for like a play date. This it, sounds oh, like a disaster. You don't understand. Yeah. I would go to other. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. Okay. I wasn't allowed to have snacks. I wasn't allowed to have junk food. I would go over to other people's <laughs> houses and be like, "Turn on the TV yeah. and give me the gushers." And don't who's talk got to a pop tart? Oh my <laughs> like, god! It was because I. Fe- I mean, in a funny way, obviously, I felt deprived because I would look at my friends' lunches and be like, "Ooh, I yeah. want snackables." Yeah. Or yeah, but you had like a porchetta. <laughs> exactly. I would literally have like a perfect a bento box. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wait, but why were they uh, so restrictive? Is that I how they were raised? No, or? I don't think so. I think they just thought, rightfully mm-hmm. so, that there were a lot of harmful aspects about growing up in American culture. Um, that if you could be take the time to like care for the things that your child was putting into into so their they were body mindfully and, parenting yes which like i think it was a little i mean we've been composting since the 90s like doing things that i think are a little more very very left that yeah. probably a lot of people were like ew that's so tree huggery right but we are tree huggers so what are you gonna do so you mm-hmm. grew up really learning to care for the environment and be aware yeah. socially I social mean, consciousness like we rinse our saran wrap if we use saran wrap but like <laughs> i mean it's very it's a little crazy people come over to my house and they're like could you calm the fuck down but i can't where did your mom it. grow up <laughs> she grew up in hawaii in hawaii yeah. and what what was her what were her parents doing like what was their influence on them or is this her own this is stuff? really it's crazy it's like really just from her i feel like i've never met anyone who grew up in hawaii when i really yeah, think about so it cool. yeah it's really wild I was, she seems so brooklyn but to then, me I yeah know. well then everybody's all well then people are like so you're hawaiian and i'm like no 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 no, no. guys growing up in hawaii is different from being hawaiian okay <laughs> i do not have hawaiian blood I I wish okay. Did. <laughs> okay, but her parents were not Hawaiian. No, 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 no. New Jersey Jews. Okay, of course. Why um, did they go to Hawaii? Her dad, I believe, he had come back from tour with the army, and that oh, that was strange. What is that? You know, it's the ghost. Dear the listeners, Avenue. it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting when there's drilling He's going on. Stomach <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, yeah. I want a poke ball. Yeah. <laughs> So the point is, you had dinner at home together. Yes, although it sounds like home there was no snacking in between those meals. Oh, definitely. So you, were you just starving? No, I mean, because like I well, so I I realized the other day 
I always thought growing up, I was like, I feel really sick after I eat. And that was because I thought that eating as much as my dad was like how much I was supposed to eat. Like, I just thought that that was a normal amount to eat. So, I mean, my dad is a person who will eat an entire ball of buffalo mozzarella in one sitting. Right. So, like, I was just... We all aspire to that. Exactly. (laughs) And I was feeling, like, so ill. So, I think I would just eat a lot at every meal. um, So, I didn't eat snack in between. My dad claims that Europeans don't snack. I don't even think that's true. There's no... I mean... I don't know. Maybe not. Well, are your parents, when you say Russian and Italian, were they... Were your parents born here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is like... Yeah. Her, the heredity exactly. factor. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the recipes that were passed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you acting as a kid? Yes. Wait, I want to hear about your... I know. ...growing up with food. Without food. And I don't know how to cook. <laughs> I was the youngest. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. My mom was and is a wonderful cook, mm-hmm. but I must not have been interested I came in to eat. So do you remember her cooking? Like, did you yes. spend time around her cooking? I remember her cooking, and I remember eating, like, if she was baking something, I'd right. eat the dough. If she was making, like, cutting carrots, I'd take one and eat one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, like, sort of watch and be like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> but I don't ever remember her Sadly, sitting with me and going, this is your grandmother's matzo ball recipe. Right. This is how we make the matzo ball. Mm-hmm. Now, my sisters who are each a little, they're they're only 14 months apart, but they're seven and eight years older than me. Oh, so okay. it was almost like two generations in totally. the same family. Um, they're both extraordinary cooks. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of my sisters became a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So she needed to learn how to make her own things because right. my mom and dad weren't vegetarians. And although my mom was completely happy to try to figure out how to accommodate that, I think my sister was excited to sort of, I'm a vegetarian and and I'm a political person. I'm going to make my own things. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there was food and feminism all wrapped up in right. the same mm-hmm. thing and independence. Right. Cool. And, um, But for me, I just was sort of like, it's sort of, it's funny. We would go see Broadway shows to celebrate everything in our lives. Like any great accomplishment. Uh Or we'd just make things up and reasons to go. I grew up in New Jersey, right across the George Washington Bridge. There it was. Like this mecca of of musicals, which became um, like a bomb Mm -hmm. for me of feeling better, listening to cast recordings. In a million years, the idea that I would be in a musical or be on Broadway never occurred to me. Huh. Like, the idea that something like that would be part of my occupation uh-huh. is crazy to me. That's how it was. It was so, um, it would be like, would you own Disneyland? No, you go to Disneyland. Like, just like so much reverence for yes. the thing. And wow. ca- I couldn't believe, like, people could transform in the way they did and make me feel the way I did. And in some crazy way... I think cooking was the same thing to me. The idea that I would be able to do what my mother was doing, Uh I could put a hot pocket in the microwave. Like there are things I could microwave. Don't get around to it. Very other. Yeah. Like, how would I ever do the thing my mom does? Right, oh right. Oh, my God. Well, you're that... welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? Um, so so I can imagine, you know, there's two schools when you have an uber-successful, forget even famous, uber-successful in any career. Yes. Um, it's daunting. Mm-hmm. Or it's not. There's this whole other generation that they're like, I'm doing it, too. 
Yeah. yeah. So that, what is yeah. that? Why are some people like, it's my, it's the family business. Right. We're entertainers. We're actors. And for other people, it's like, I'm going to go to Bangladesh and oh, yeah. learn oh, yeah. organic farming. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's right so after okay. college, I moved to China and worked for an advertising agency. There you go. Like, yeah. Okay, so if you're not going to be an actor, so if you don't do it, so if you don't do it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, you just tell yourself that it's not an option. Right. But I'm sure from the minute you like could have had consciousness, you probably were a performer at yeah, heart. Obviously. It was just the only thing I ever thought I was going to do. And right. then I told myself like. That there was just no way. It's such a crazy... Anyway, that's like really a whole other yeah. thing. But um, but it's weird because then when you actually let yourself admit that it's what you really want to do, it's a, the craziest homecoming. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, oh, now that I just got over the hump of letting myself admit it to me and also to the people in my life. Oh, my God. Now, like, I just feel so free. But it's... Yeah. It's it a took lot. A, yeah. It took a lot. And also, that's not a thing that ever disappears. You know, it's not as if, like... Uh, now that I am an actor in my own right, knock on wood, hopefully, it's not as if now I never think about the fact that my mom is who she is. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, it's constant. It's just working on that and always being like, mm-hmm. that's allowed to exist, but it doesn't need to be the only defining factor. Mm-hmm. Well, as uh, a Levine, <laughs> I'm just not. One of the famous right. Levines. I'm not, I mean, sure, there's Avril now. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, my God. But, you know, Wait, about her. is she Jewish? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I so. No. She spells it differently. Yeah. Oh, she's a Levin. She no, says she's Levine. Like a, but there's also oh, no, um, she's an Adam Levine. Yeah. True. There are a lot of God. Levines. What a bod. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. We can't. Not now. Not now. <laughs> not now, not ever. I was we talking will. about Adam Devine, not Adam Levine. I, I almost... <laughs> you know the actor Adam exploded. Devine? Exploded. I love him. You should love him. I think he's him. so great. He's like kind of supposed we to be should my have soulmate. a dinner party <laughs> with Adam Devine. Please. Yes, please. So, Adam, if you're listening, <laughs> so you're okay. So you are, um, you are in your careers. Uh-huh. Yes, you are pursuing acting, no holds barred, with abandonment, no apologies. Yeah. You okay. have let go of whatever. First of all, your last name isn't Midler. So at least yes, you don't. I mean, there isn't that helpful. like, oh, Lana De Niro, which I was going to change my name to. I was like, oh, that's why actually not? kind of brilliant. <laughs> why not? I should just be <laughs> away from it. Well, part of me is like, or should I just change my name and be Sophie Midler? Oh, no, that is no. Literally, I get like. Yeah, that's. I start could. to gag when I think about yeah. that. Oof. Well, I don't. I'm going to be Alana Midler. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Friggin- Got the paperwork. <laughs> she's a friggin' genius. Uh, do you sing? Uh, not really. I'll sing, like, in a play, but right. I won't do a musical. Okay. Or that's just not my wheelhouse. Like, if the music was real easy, maybe, but... If it was Adam Devine's music. If Adam Devine wrote music, I'd be there. <laughs> okay. Here she goes. She's grabbing the mic, folks. <laughs> For someone who standing up, she protests too much, doesn't she? <laughs> Ari, do you sing? Um, I will just say no. I okay. think I used to, and the, I loved Yale so much, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I just, I kind of lost my love of singing uh, in grad school. You can say you sort of beat it out of the joy out of you. Well, it's funny because I thought that I was going to like regain my Me love too. of singing. Me too. And it's like I grew up. Always singing, you know, and like I sing by myself or like I'll sing, too, yeah. you know, just randomly. But there was something about the way that it was taught. I think singing is very tricky. I do too. As in like every singing teacher I've ever gone to, except for one, this amazing guy out in L.A., 
um, wants to give you some strange metaphor about how your chords mm-hmm. are moving. And I'm like, dude, just let me sing. Tell me to breathe more. Tell me like to give it more air. You know, tell me where I'm being flat or if I'm being pitchy and just let me connect to the music. Mm-hmm. There was something about Yale that I felt like really stripped out of that to huh. me. Or maybe it just wasn't enough. I felt like yeah. very much that I got broken down and I and I could understand singing in like a theoretical way, but then never put back together as an artist. So now like if ever I have to audition for a musical, I freak the fuck out because I'm just like, am I doing this correctly? Am, you know, as, am I breathing correctly? And I'm just thinking about it in a technical way and not able to just be free the way I used to sing in high school and college. Yeah. So you have to take it back. Like, you have to take it back for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I probably should. I keep promising myself that I'm going to, like, do a a singing lesson, like, every other week and just make it a thing that I do as an artist. Yeah. But then, of course, I don't. So I yeah, was at Tessie casting uh, before I came here. And there were... I was not auditioning to replace in Mean Girls, but there were many people there, and they just stood one after the other going in, and I was just like, I cannot believe the talent that is happening oh my God. right I, now. Like, what's happening? Well, that's, like, why I love to go and see musicals is because oh, it's me too. so I immediately start removed. crying. Oh, me too. As soon as someone starts it's singing. It's so I'm like, emotional. <laughs> but it's also, for me, it's so removed from what I actually do that I yeah. don't feel like... Oh, like there's no there's no part of me that's like trying to break down a performance. It's just joy. Yeah. You yeah. know, but you started out in musicals, right? Like no, that's been... I started out, like I said, going to mm-hmm. love, see them and love right. them. Like I graduated from middle school. We're going to go see you mm-hmm. know, Annie or whatever. Right. But I I did one musical. Mm-hmm. Most of my Broadway experiences were straight plays. And I had done a play a million years ago um, with a theater company that I started called Naked Angels. I had done oh. a play called Machinal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that play. Me too. It's so beautiful and powerful. And there was a character that I did in that play many years before I did You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, that Michael Mayer, the director, just remembered. Mm-hmm. Like there was something about the essence of this comedic role in the, this dark play about like a woman who gets executed. But I had like the one funny part at the right. beginning of this telephone operator that I loved. Yeah. It was like my... Uh, Judy um, Holiday sort of, you know, hello, hello, like yeah. this whole great thing. So and fun. it just, I had to answer a phone a lot. And it was the old school, like, yeah, the Mrs. Plugs. Maisel yeah. plug. Yeah. It was all awesome. Speaking of marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel, we've got Ari here from yeah. that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was called in to audition for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And I was like, I I think there's a mistake. If you look at my resume, there's not one musical on it. It's not like I'm pretending I'm someone who's done a musical. And they were like, no, Michael knows. He just thinks like you're really right for this. And I said no many times because I didn't even understand Mm -hmm. what what is anyone saying to me. But then someone, you know, Judy Kuhn is a dear friend of mine. And she was like, I have this friend who you can go for coaching and he chose this song for me from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And it was um, I Want It All, Veruca's song, which was like, oh, she is Lucy Van Pelt. Like, they're the mm-hmm. same person. And so I went in and sang that because I knew it and it was familiar. Right. And the whole thing was so hilarious to me. Because uh-huh. in the waiting room, it was like everyone that we see in musicals. And I was like, yeah. I just saw it. God, like, right. literally, can I have your autograph? Like, I'm sorry, right before I go in, like, can you just very quickly <laughs> sign this for me? So every step of the way, it was just um, really the most liberating. I might as well have been, like, 
at school to become like a taxi driver. Like, this is fascinating. And, exactly. now, and now I have to learn the map of the entire city? Okay. I mean, it's I like, yeah. whenever you don't give a shit, you give the best audition. Yeah. But then I was in a musical. Right. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Like, right, then, then it was like, go. jokes on, now the joke's on me. Mm-hmm. And I had to Hold very quickly, but when you talk about, like, the language and they're, like, the metaphors, so suddenly I'm with a coach. Yeah. yeah. The fanciest coach in all the land. Was yeah. No, okay. no. This is before her reign. Wait, I'm um, not going to say it. Okay, but I'll uh-huh. tell you after. Um, the <laughs> I whole know exactly who it is. But it was like, yes, <laughs> and it was this whole know. thing like about giving numbers, assigning numbers to like how relaxed your vocal cords were, or like biting into an app, like all of this it's stuff. Crazy. And I was like, okay, this is amazing. I'm doing a cast recording that will live forever at like a recording studio. Right. So. Sometimes I feel that way in auditions, too, when a casting director is like, right, I think in this moment, maybe they're feeling a little, you know, X, Y, Z. And you're like, do you want me to cry? Just say it. (laughs) Just say it. Because it's too confusing. And it's like this weird. Yeah. It's this weird thing where, like, it's they're scared you're going to be sensitive or you might not understand their language. And. I don't know. It's so or funny because I just interviewed Amy Ryan, who I think is the most oh, yeah, she's magnificent God. human. Can't wait to listen. Yes, it's so awesome. But she was saying, like, you know, because in Gone Baby Gone, her Academy Award nominated turn is mm-hmm. Helene, uh, there was a lot of crying that mm-hmm. had to happen on cue. And so I, I'm all, the whole reason I do my podcast 150 episodes later is like, how do you cry on cue? Oh <laughs> so like, do you, you ask that to I, everyone? No, but that's really when you I should. think about like why I do my podcast. I'm like, Julianne Moore, just tell how me. do you, who does tell your me. color? Like I just, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. just always to sneak information. Oh my God. I, I love want for that. myself. Like how do you, but Amy was saying like, Mostly, she thinks when she really thinks about it, the tears come from all the anxiety about crying. Like, it's mm-hmm. all the nerves. Like, it doesn't matter. You watch the movie, she's crying. doesn't yeah. really matter if she was like, no, because I thought my kid was really kidnapped. And, oh, you know. right, exactly. But that this kind of, you know, it's so fraught. You're yeah. exhausted and fraught. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the in my first series, the great Robert Altman, I just wanted to please him so much. Mm. And I was up all night worrying about like my what crying series? scene. It was called Tanner 88. Oh wow. And he it was like when HBO was like a new network. Oh, it was my God. Like we were their third That's series. That's crazy. Yes. He just kissed me on the forehead. And now I think in like Time's Up Me Too, would I be freaked out that he mm. did that but no but robert altman sweet robert altman just saw me in the corner kind of <laughs> shaking <laughs> and he just kissed my forehead walked away called action and it was like so paternal oh. yeah. and beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that it really, just released yeah i mean with him you could do no wrong anyway yeah. yeah there was it was impossible to mess it up that was just his vision of what it was to be an artist whatever mm-hmm. you wow. were doing wherever you were yeah that's where you are. Yeah. Oh and we'll God. do a million takes and we'll improvise. It's a writer's nightmare because there would be like, there was a script. Right. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah. <laughs> With Room at Table Read a couple of weeks ago. If you want to use it. Yeah. Bob yeah. would be like, ah, throw it out. And you would just see him. Gary Trudeau, who created Dunesbury, the uh-huh. cartoon, yeah, yeah, was the writer of this series. And he'd be like, okay, but also, if oh you want to try the as written. <laughs> yeah. Any time. That is... That would be amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. Week after week, I'm just like, also, so how do you... What do you do before an audition? Right. <laughs> would you have any Could you just do an audition right now? 
that I could watch. <laughs> but like, like that's it. And with you guys, so that's my my thing is to I wanted to create the podcast. I wished I had. I wished the information that mm. I was looking for, other than like James Lipton actors studio yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. That's that was my only access into these kinds of conversations and he wasn't exactly my guy my brand exactly and he's also interviewing people like you're I mean the roster of people that you interview is crazy incredible and it's like such an amazing mix but it's like he's not gonna have you know like Bill Camp doesn't get to be on the actor's studio yet you know but it's like so getting to I mean I feel like the roster is literally just all of my favorite actors like Reed Bernie and Bill Camp and Michael Urey and like I mean Rory O'Malley, who I love. Yes. Um, no, but getting to have these incredible theater actors yes. mm-hmm. sprinkled in with the Academy Award exactly. winners it's makes it amazing. It's a good yeah. meal, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yes. For yeah. the chefs out yeah. there. Your podcast is born out of a desire to... Also, well, I think... I feel like our podcast is born out of this idea of, like, people are so scared of having other people over of being generous with their space and their time and really just trying to encourage people to, like, just, I don't know, there's some (laughs) element of, like, community and and connection that can happen. And just, like, I don't know why I just want to say not being scared, but it is such a big thing. That, like, there are a million reasons that people don't have people over, but what are the reasons that people do have people over? And like, really... do you think people are scared of other people seeing how they live? Yes, I yeah. think that's part of it. And in the city, especially, it's like, you know, we're all so tight on space, and that becomes obviously a really hard thing. But I think people also feel like, well, and you were saying this earlier about you know being freaked out about not being able to do the thing perfectly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I, I didn't go to the Culinary Institute, and so I don't know how to cook. But if my right. souffle falls. Exactly. Right. And, and that ultimately But what about that, Ari? What if you, your food isn't good? What happens if your food isn't good? I think in a way that's kind of uh, the, the vibe, the tone of this podcast, of having a night rather, is that uh, it doesn't – the food is not ultimately the end-all, be-all of the dinner party. Exactly. It's the connections that are happening. It's – it's letting people into your life. It's sharing things. It's about the small community that you build. And I think besides living in New York and people not wanting um, to invite people into their small apartments, I think it's also a symptom of the way that people are living now and just less connection and everyone's on their phone. And we just connect less. We rely on others less. We, you know, ask Google instead of ask our mom, you know. so. Right. So I think it's about um, – it's also is my mom. <laughs> She said with a single tear rolling down her cheek. Sometimes I call her Echo. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, we've both had plenty of dinner parties gone wrong, which is an episode we need to do. Yeah. And I think we always say, then you can just laugh and order a pizza. Yeah. That's, we, that's our remedy is if it's bad, if you burn whatever you're making. Or it just tastes awful. Or it tastes awful. Yeah. Or be like, guys, I'm sorry, this sucks. Let's like order just- a pizza. And let's laugh about it. Okay. If you were having a dinner party Mm -hmm. together or separately, Uh when I come in, what's the first thing that I'm going to see food and beverage-wise out? If it's not a theme of some kind, where where do you begin traditionally? Well, 
um, you're going to see some kind of antipasti situation that will have probably some meat and cheese. They'll most definitely have olives um, if Sophie is involved. Perhaps a pickle of some kind. Yeah, just some finger foods without um, plates, without silverware, some na- cop- cocktail napkins. Bread or crackers? I'm a bread. I'm a bread. I'm a, I'm a cracker. <laughs> nice to meet you, bread. Um, it's uh, it depends. It depends okay. on the space and also on what's having what you're having later on. Because like yeah, if you're going carb heavy, meal, yeah. you're going to have crackers and not yeah, a big yeah. baguette cut up. But I also think, is there anything greater than seeing like a loaf of freshly baked bread? No, there's nothing greater. So it's like, even if you're at Trick meal... Question. <laughs> that was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, even if, like, your meal is going to be starchy, I think you could still put out a bread. Okay, I have yeah. another question. Oh, my God, ask. I, I'm sorry. No, I want Martha yes. Stewart, uh, Julia Child. We, gotta, we have to plan a dinner party for yes. you. Yes, yes. Oh, my God, yes. Um, my, my biggest anxiety is, like... When should the food be ready? Before mm, everyone big. arrives? Am I putting it... Like, that's my other confusion. Because my thing is I'm so excited because I don't do this a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I made my first eggplant parmesan recently, uh-huh. dinner was called for 7.30. It was ready at 5. I was like, where right. is everybody? Right. And then I was, then it got a little burnt. Then I didn't know, do I take right. it out? Do I put it back in? Tell yeah. me the timing and how long after the like apps and hanging out is dinner served? So I think that if you were just getting into having people over, which, like, listen, I'm sure that you've had people over many, yes, many times Yes, but before. I haven't cooked. Yeah. So I think that a great thing to do is have most things be able to be served at room temperature. Okay. Because then you don't have to stress as much about timing. If you've cooked things early, it's okay. If you've cooked things late, it's okay. You know, it's like things can be ready whenever they're ready as opposed to the thing of, like, well, shit, like, this thing is supposed to be warm. This thing is supposed to be piping hot. This thing is supposed to right. be in the freezer. Mm-hmm. It's like figuring out a yeah. bunch of different You can think things. of that as like level two. But like yeah. there are so many ways I'm to go at, that are I'm level one. I'm still dinner party 1.0. I mean, right. But like yeah. there's so many delicious 1.0 meals that you've probably had in restaurants that you never even thought were like, oh, this is room temp. Yeah. Like, like what? If it basically, if it's not a soup or a stew, it doesn't really need to so be So my what? eggplant parm <laughs> could have been. Well, no. Like, okay. Right. Someone has some bubbly like, cheese on Yes. Top. If some, yes. I'd say a crispy but, situation or like a gooey situation but needs to be. Eggplant, okay. Yeah, exactly. But, but eggplant parm is actually kind of a great thing to make ahead because you can assemble it ahead and then you just put it into the oven yes. right before. So I I actually, honestly, I'm like always on the, the cooking section of the New York Times and just reading their make-ahead recipes. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't make them, I get so much satisfaction out of knowing what I could have been making ahead. Mm-hmm. So like, there are things that you can prep. <laughs> Even if I'm not making them. 12, 24 yeah. hours ahead. Yeah. And then you just... Leave it in your refrigerator. Take it out the next day. I mean, Ari's laughing at me, but like, no, it's amazing. But it's Funny. true, right? It's Way like take about it out time. of your refrigerator yeah. and you put it in the oven, and then stress free. Yeah, when, but not stress free because it's still for me. When do I take it out? So I also have a thing, and I think Ari is probably much better about this. Like. I am sort of on that wavelength of like, well, everything is down at five, so like, where's everybody? At? Does anyone want to come early? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I think not putting it into the oven until people arrive, Ooh, and yeah. knowing that people are okay to snack on that antipasti and have a glass of wine right. for forty-five minutes. Yes, okay. and I will also say this is a very actory way to look at cooking, but I have had to over the years like release my own fears and anxieties about like. Being in the kitchen and still cooking when I have people over. For some reason, I thought, oh, no, everything has to be done. And I have to be, like, there on the, you know, chaise lounge, like, 
with my I cocktail. Want you on that chaise lounge. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Full Betty Draper makeup on. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't. Like, so. Do you dress up? Um, we try to. Yeah, we try to. So when so, do you do that? So that's part of the problem is mm-hmm. that we're always, I feel like every dinner party we throw together, we're like, okay, this time we're really going to give ourselves time to just change and get And then dressed. we're like, ah, ah. Yeah, and then freaking out. But, but I think part of that moment is addictive. Are you roommates? No. No, no, no. no, but you'll just do it at one of your places. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. we've gotten way better at it. And so I think it's like before you do the finishing touches, let's say everything is done. Mm-hmm. Things are mostly assembled. Let's say everything is out in your prep bowls. So like you haven't put things together, but everything is chopped. It's it's blanched. It's like whatever All needs to All sous chefing is. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Then you More go and that. get into yeah. that bathroom. You put yeah. on your whole face. But I think even before that, do you, you dress can up? set. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Not always like. Super duper, but sometimes yeah. we go for it. We do try to turn it out. It's just, just it's it, and fun. it doesn't happen as much anymore, and that makes me sad. Do people, when they come over, do they feel like, oh, I'm a little underdressed? I'm in my jeans and t-shirt, and Sophie and Ari are friggin' hot and beautiful. I right would now. hope no. to never make wait us hot and beautiful. <laughs> Take it again. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, Let me make sure that's in the clear. Was there oh any drilling God. going on? Yes. <laughs> You guys no. are hot and beautiful. I, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'll have a dinner party and I haven't had enough time to change, and maybe I have a full face of makeup and I'm also in sweatpants. Right. But in general, yeah, it's a look. I think yeah, I sometimes I like that. It's kind of a look. It's a very Gigi Hadid look, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, sure. Jesus. Me and a Gigi. The Sheesh. But I, but we definitely, we usually don't put on like a dress coat or anything. No. But if I'm doing a much bigger one, then I would. Like if I'm doing, if I'm having like. 18 people overall totally give a dress code. Or if I'm having more of like a Christmas party or something, then... So your last thing was the Oscar dinner yeah. party? Mm-hmm. What did you guys make for that? Did you do... You did it together. Mm-hmm. We did. Okay, so what did you cook for that? We had a deviled egg situation. We had truffled popcorn. We had crudite. We had little tea sandwiches. Mm-hmm. We just went really um, anti-pasty finger foods because we didn't want like people having... Giant plates with like a meatloaf on it, watching TV. Do you okay. have like one go-to thing that you know you can just like kill? No. Oh my god. I don't. Do you have any dietary restrictions? No. No, but guests like, do. Right. One yeah. person's vegetarian, which means they need a carb. One person is, is gluten free, which means they can't have a carb. So I think it's like if and you that have... loaf of bread you described earlier is just torture. So, uh, yeah, I guess cruel. I'll be on my own in the corner. But I do think it. our template, which we describe in the podcast. Um, which I don't know if that episode will have come out by the time we air this one. I think our template works for, for everyone because exactly. there are like there's a variety of things. Okay, do the template. Okay, the template is it starts with antipasti, which will have like some vegetarian options, little pickles, uh, olives, olives, crackers or bread, cheese, cheese, yeah. some meats. Because then you're like you got paleo, yep. you have the vegetarians, you've got the gluten free, you've got those people, everyone covered. So sorry that we're not covering pescatarians, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, they'll eat cheese, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. They'll eat cheese and, and they'll pickles. Eat fish. Yeah. yeah. And they'll bread. eat that fish course. Yeah. Right, but we don't have it in the antipasti. Oh, so. that, not that's eat. okay. But it doesn't mean they only eat fish. They, they eat, eat everything. Fruit. Right. Yeah. Right. So then we we always do a cold veg, which usually ends up being a salad. A hot like, veg. Okay. What kind of salad? Let's say. Mm, I mean, I love. You make a great. I love a radicchio mm-hmm. endive fennel salad. Maybe topped with, like, some arugula just for some spiciness. Maybe depending on how you're feeling, you're adding in, like, par- like a pear and some blue cheese. Yeah. But if you want to take out the dairy, you could do the blue cheese on the side. Mm-hmm. And then make, like, 
vinegar, mustard, uh, vinegar, mustard, olive oil, dressing, vinaigrette. Yeah, um, maybe put some herbs in it. You exactly. did it like it wasn't Newman's own. <laughs> yeah. No. You did a hand motion oh like you God. made that. I think one of the easiest ways to elevate any dinner party is to home make your salad dressing. Okay. I don't, it's so easy. All The best way also to get it emulsified, because you know sometimes like, well, maybe you don't know. Sometimes if you make a salad dressing, the oil and the vinegar will split. Yes. But so to get it not split, I just put it into like a, an old jar, like yeah. a glass jar, shake, 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 and it's like thick, creamy, so perfect. Delicious. Yeah. Also, never underestimate the amount of salad dressing that you actually need. Okay. I always make not enough. Really? Yeah, so I need to start making twice as much. Interesting. Oh, Here's another dressing. tip with dressing your salad. If you want to pre-do things and so you're, you can put on your makeup or whatever um, or make yourself a cocktail – Put the dressing kind of around the edges of the bowl, like kind of tilt the bowl, and then it'll kind of like go to the bottom, and then you can just toss the salad. So then you don't have to – I always find like, I forgot to uh, dress the salad. That's like – I will always forget that, and I hate to be dealing with the dressing and reshaking it right. when I have guests over. So then it's already in the bowl, and so you just say like, hey, George, can you toss the salad? Hey, George. Hey. My bottle of George. Okay, so we've got a cold salad. Yeah. We've got a warm veg. Yeah. Which could be anything. So let's it say. It could be it an could eggplant be, parm. Yeah. You know. Although right. that would be a main dish. It, well, yeah, Depends. it could. Or, it's true. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm very hungry. I love it, the thought of an eggplant parm. Um, it but was it labor be, intensive. Yeah. Yes. So then maybe it would be a main in this case, but it could be something like you could just roast a bunch of Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. Just roasting is always nice because you throw Someone's it like, in the I oven. Someone's like, I don't eat cruciferous vegetables. Oh, my God. That person needs to throw George. themselves off a ledge. George. George. Fucking George. Yeah. But roasted vegetables are always easy because you can put them in the oven. They're totally fine to be served room temperature. And you can, like, make a little dressing if you have extra time and you want them to look fancy. Like, drizzle pomegranate molasses over them or, like, I'm sorry, really what? aged balsamic. Sorry, what? It's like a really aged balsamic. Molasses. But it's made from pomegranates. Nice. You can get it at like a Middle Eastern grocery store. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe that's level three. No. Okay, so we're no, still no, no. There's But a... I don't mind a challenge. No. Yeah. You I do appreciate it. that you're like, Alana, you are up Ooh. to this. I you... also feel like for this, I'm wanting, I'm thinking about all of these paleo people, and then I'm thinking about the non-paleos mm. of us, and like just having like like a cheese on the side. So maybe it's like, maybe there's roasted vegetables, but you're serving like a really beautiful mozzarella on the side are we still on appetizers no 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 no, no. we're on the we're oh sorry the so here's the other thing about the template dessert. Yeah. for dessert there's yeah. a pomegranate marmalade yeah. souffle yeah. yeah okay here's the other thing about the template that should be known we it's all rustic family style so you don't have to worry about plating you don't have to worry about coursing things out so the only thing that is beforehand is the antipasti yeah which is also buying yourself time to finish things if you are not done so all these other things are just Put it's on just big plates on your long table, and yeah. everyone's going to sit down and just take for the pass. Exactly. Yes, or you yeah. put them out like on the kitchen island, wherever you want people to I congregate. I have an island now. Yeah. So what's the playlist? What's the mu- now? Music is a really big deal. I love daytime for a brunchy feel. I think jazz. Mm-hmm. Like who doesn't want to wake Porter up and, like, or some yeah. lovely like yeah. Oh, especially if you have like actors over or like musical people over if you played some really really old timey musical stuff that would be really sweet. Oh yeah, I love that. So when you're on a job, uh-huh. Are you like I was just thinking about how speaking of musicals, there was an actor who played Schroeder, Stanley Wayne Mathis who was like the most magnificent baker. 
and he would come into rehearsal. He he loved to bake, but didn't want to eat it. He did not want it lingering in his house, uh-huh. so he yes. would make massive amounts bakers. of so many beautiful cakes and cookies and muffins, and then bring them into rehearsal. Right. And first of all, we all fell madly in love with him uh-huh. immediately. It's a way to all of our hearts. But it was when you were talking earlier about kind of like giving mm-hmm. and the gift of it, like his performance was magnificent. Like I can't imagine anyone else's Schroeder ever. Mm. But the first thing I think of when I think of Stanley, like if we were doing word association before his like brilliant yeah. Tony right. level performance was his baking. Yeah. yeah. It's like that was that's it what touched I think you. of. Yeah. 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 And you guys must be that for the people you work with. Do you bring food into work when you're rehearsing or working or when we were in school, I would. I would, like, bring things into certain classes because also, well, Ari was touching on this earlier, like... That terrible singing teacher who traumatized you guys? Oh, God, oh God no. No, Vicky she was not. She's she's amazing. It was just a... It was a weird circle. Yeah. Um, but the feeling, like, I would come home from rehearsal. Let's say I would get home at, like, 11 p.m., and I would start cooking, and it wasn't yeah. because I was hungry or I needed to eat, but it was, like, the only way to clear my head to actually sort of, like, meditate on what had happened that day, to to digest everything. And so I would often, during those hours from, like, 11 to 2 a.m., like, just kind of stay up and, like, make, uh, I don't know, like, vegan cookie bars or, you know, like, dark chocolate, yeah. something or other. And then I would bring those into class because it was really, like, the act of doing it was what I cared about. And, of course, I cared about how they tasted, but... Yeah, but like yeah. it was, and so I would then, but now, now, no. Well, if you're doing TV now, it's like just craft services. No, you can't for compete. Sure. But oh in, in but the a theater, play, for Although, me, yeah. The DP on the show that I shot this summer, yes, working insane hours, would come in with like home baked banana bread. I love that. Like, the DP? Yeah. That's nice. And yeah. he, he was a man, like a big, like hunky oh my God. dude. Nice. Banana this bread baking. So amazing. Yeah. I've never had a DP bake for me. Yeah. Well, ever. Come on, come on out to LA. I will. I will do that. So, who is, when you think of like yourself, like I think back to my not cooking with my mom, but loving her food and, and like standing around talking to her about like my day. Wait, mm-hmm. what were your favorite things that she made? So I was just thinking about, um, so my dad, who was, he's still alive, but he's retired. He was an attorney and an accountant. And okay. so he was just always working late. So the yeah. thing I remember is we would have dinner and then my dad would come home late and there would be a second dinner. And that was Hell my yes. favorite time. <laughs> totally. Like, she would reheat everything. By the way, mm-hmm. my mom worked, too. Like, so, right. yeah. by the way. Uh, but so, there were things that, so that's, like, a very strong memory I have of, like, eating again at, oh, like, I 9.30. Like, there was the 6.30 seating and then the 9.30 yeah. seating. Yeah. It's like that it's like the best part thing. of Thanksgiving. Yes. But, right. So, my mom, you know those, like, um, Petridge Farm... Puff pastries. Oh, yes. So they can be used, you know, you can put yeah. berries and whipped cream in them. Or, or yeah. Right. So she would Oof. make in those minis, she would saute all different kinds of mushrooms Ugh. and onion. And there'd be like a little au jus from that on mm-hmm. the bottom. Mm-hmm. And she would put mushrooms inside the puff pastry and then the little top. Oh, my God. Right, well, we're little, making those for your dinner party. So I mean, that. And then 
I once went to someone else's for brunch, and they were putting, like, scrambled eggs into that, mm. by the way. Also delicious, with, like, chives and some what other thing. What a good thing. hack, also. Yes. Just like to remember that those things exist. Yeah. Yes. Oh. She made an amazing brisket, like, full-on brisket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her stuffing is incredible. Oh. And somehow she makes, like, bread stuffing, right? Yeah. She makes a stuffing on Passover with like oh, wow. matzah, with matzah. Oh, instead of bread. Like I a wonder. matzah brie almost. I feel no, like I've had something like that. Stuffing. That's so cool. And she makes Passover rolls. Like she somehow, what if she was literally using like all these years? Exactly. She's like, so yeah, bread. Passover, but we can eat bread. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Like they're the matzah rolls. They're not Passover <laughs> rolls at all. She just calls them that. Oh my God. Um, Right, That's like she hilarious. somehow has versions. I wanted to eat bacon so badly growing up, but we mm. were kosher. Mm-hmm. She somehow like found it was called like beef fry or something. Like she found fake bacon. Like yeah. she always managed like anything you want. She'd be like, "I got it, right. no problem." That's so so oh, great. yeah, Love. and she made amazing um, soups. She's really good at soups, like leek soup or. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tomato, like just amazing, amazing yeah. at soups. I feel like but more all cooking I, is in your future. I, I just feel like you're, yeah. you're 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 passionate about the dishes that she made. Well, sure, but if you don't cook a lot, your pantry has none of the. Every recipe is a new, like huge, like you have twelve thousand yes. spices in yeah. your oh. cabinet. In fact, and you're like, I don't want to buy this because I'm gonna use yeah. Use so it. wait, seven dollars, and I'm gonna episode. use one. Wait. Oh, a spice. That we should do like a pantry episode. Oh, that's yeah. good. Essentials. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. No, yeah. no, no. no. Marie but I'm so that's also intimidating. It's like I just started, you know, it took me a while. It was in the culture, the yeah. whole Marie Kondo thing. Um, and I really thought like if I took every garment of clothing I owned and put it on my bed uh-huh. and thought what sparks joy. Mm-hmm. Have you guys done versions of that? Oh, yeah. You did it? Oh, yeah. Every I, garment you own on a bed, what sparks joy? Yeah, I think I had seven garbage bags to bring to Goodwill. Wow. Was this it recently? Was, I think you I did it two, last year. You were very year. early. You you preempted this yeah, trend. maybe it was two years ago. It was, like, right when the book came out. But I also love to spring clean. I love to go purge. through and, like, yeah, because yeah. I'm a big purger. But I'm, I, I think the trick is to purge and then not buy everything again. Fair enough. So you said earlier that you uh, were never going to act, uh, and you maybe didn't say never going to act, but you kind of went away from it before coming back to it. Yeah. So like I was always per- so I thought growing up, I assumed that everybody performed. Like I thought that everybody wanted to put on shows and like. And was your family were there always actors around and showbiz people, or was it a mix? There were. It was definitely a mix. Like there were showbiz people around, but often it would be like a choreographer or a. Like a comedian or something. It was not like I grew up with a whole host of It wasn't of always like, Goldie Hawn. No, exactly. It was there Mark Shaman. Exactly. It was right. Mark Shaman and Scott. And in fact, there was actually very little. There were very few actors around. Smart. Um, so it was <laughs> That's like... That's the key to success. But it's funny because I do feel like a lot of kids who grew up, you know, sort of in Hollywood really grew up with it. It's like Steven Spielberg was like my uncle and mm. like Goldie was like my aunt. I, that was not my life. That was not all. your godparent at situation. All. No. Um, so... But I thought that performing was just a part of being a kid. Like, I didn't realize that, like, you know, some people liked sports and some people liked math. I just right. thought this was kind of what you did. So I was always performing. And then I got to high school and I was like, oh, I, and I started to dance more. And I did that, which was great. And I loved it. Um, 
but like some form of performance was always a part of my upbringing. And then I got to college and I was at Yale undergrad and felt very much like, okay, I have to be very serious. <laughs> and so not, there's no drama major when you're an undergrad, there is there? There is. But and is I that what you were doing? one class. It was called the genealogy of performance. And I'm sorry, Yale. I thought it was such fucking bullshit. Mm. And it was just like the theoretical, all of the theoretical stuff behind performance Instead of the actual act of performing, like there was nothing active about it. And the whole point of acting is to act. Right. And I was just so annoyed and pissed off. And so I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. You know, I'm going to take sociology instead. I became a sociology major. I lived in China. I did all those things. And I really was just trying to be, you know, like a good Yale student. And also, you know, it's like you you grow up and your parents are like, oh my God, you're going to this amazing university. You're going to be, I was the, neither of my parents went to college, Mm. but they both did, but they both dropped out. And so I think it felt very like, well, I'm supposed to. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. It's sacred. And like, I'm supposed to be a very different version of myself than I really feel like, you know? Right. But Um, they wanted, so intellectual pursuits. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, they really said to me, they were like, oh, like you're an intellectual, which P.S. like, not really. I mean, I love to read. Sure. But like, that was never, it never really sat with me. Hmm. Right. It always felt like something that I was striving towards as opposed to something that came naturally. Um, and then I was in China and there was just something about being so far away from everybody who knew me. Did you go with any friends from the school program? No, no, I went. That's so scary and brave. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think back on because I'm like, I can't believe that I made that decision, (laughs) but I did. Um, and I mean, like I had a very serious boyfriend at the time and like he was staying in New York and so I went. And it was the greatest year ever, but I was working at an ad agency and I was just dreaming of being an actor. Like it was, it was like sick. It was like, I couldn't stop and I couldn't concentrate because all I was thinking about was like, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actor. Um, And was there like a big moment where you call home or send an email like, hey guys? I weirdly started taking acting classes in China. I like found this random. I didn't know that. That's insane. Oh my God. I found Little this like known random fact. guy yeah. who was leading monologue classes outside of his house, out of his, out of his living room. And I went and so tried sketchy. To exactly. And I, and he was like much older and it was very, I was like, this is crazy, but it also like, I just kind of have to do it. And it just felt so normal. It was like the, the I mean, the being in his living room did not feel normal, but the, the act of choosing monologue and just working on it just felt so like, oh yeah, this is just kind of what you do. Yeah. And, and then it was just, I think coming home and telling my parents and my boyfriend that I wanted to be an actor was like, that was very scary. So how did you start from after that conversation to, well, then how did you get an agent? Well, then I worked as a PA on Sex and the City, the movie part two. Amazing. Thank you so much, SJP. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Michael Patrick King at all. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my friend Betty Ann Fishman, who's a first AD, basically hired me. I was like, listen, I'm back in New York and I want to do something showbiz related. I don't know what. I think it was sort of being very vague about everything because yeah. I didn't want to admit that wow. I wanted to be an actor. Wow. I was so scared of admitting it. Wow. So I worked as a PA. I honestly had the greatest time. It's such a hard job. Oh, my God. But had so much fun. And then I went to Williamstown uh-huh. the following summer. So I started taking classes with this amazing woman, Joan Rosenfels. And 
just being in scene study class, you know, and it was really for the first time. So I felt like I had so much catching up to do. And but now I was you're having... building community of yes. like other young New York actors. Exactly. And then going to Williamstown, I was around all these people who were in the middle of grad school programs. Mm-hmm. And it had never occurred to me because the people who I had grown up around and my mom, it was like the model was you leave Hawaii when you're 19, you come to New York, you make your own work. You get right. Broadway. You're singing in like, bathhouses. So, so yeah. different. And it had not occurred to me that like, Oh, oh, te- I need a foundation. Like, I right. need technique, especially because my mom is who she is. I think right. there's a huge risk of being like, hey, guys, I'm here now. Give me a job and not actually having anything to back that sure. up. Sure. So seeing these these people who were in grad programs, I was like, oh, I want to no, do that. Yeah, I got to do that. Like, have to. Um, and whether that was going to be like creating my own grad program by just taking a million classes in New York or really going to school. I was like, I'll either, but it, something's got to happen. So I applied to a few schools and got into Yale, and that was that. And then, you know, felt so lucky, obviously, that I got my manager the summer before graduating because she saw me in the show that Ari and I did um, oh, yeah. in the brochures, which is so Insane. funny. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then got a manager, an agent from Showcase and, you know, that whole thing. But it's... I mean, it really is nice to come out of a program where you know that people are coming to see you. Yeah, and directors are yeah. coming. You're working with who are there directors that came up to work at Yale when you were there who were New York based people? Yeah, Ari mm-hmm. got to work with some amazing. Who did you work with there? I did a, a couple shows at the Rep Theater uh-huh. at Yale Rep while I was a student. So I worked. Um, I did a show with Robert Woodruff that Bill Camp was mm-hmm. uh, starring in, which oh, was incredible. Which play? In a year of thirteen moons. Okay. In a year with thirteen moons, rather. Bill yeah. and Beth live in my building. Oh, really? That's why I live in my building. Yes. Uh, so random and crazy. Yeah. But yeah. On Nelson, right? Well, or, we're on Court Street. On Court. Around the corner, yes. Yeah, because I used to live before I went to grad school. I lived around there. I lived by. I lived on Laqueer. You're right around the corner. And so I, Bill and I would talk about you know yes. that neighborhood when yes. we were doing the show together. Yeah. So I worked with Robert Woodruff and then Jackson Gay. Uh, came up to director show that I was in and she's been I've collaborated with her many times I, but that was really yeah it. yeah but Rodriguez is yeah. yeah two of them but both of those that's ex- incredible yeah it was yeah. nice yeah. Yeah. yeah it was really nice yeah so, yeah, I mean, uh, wait, I forget what the question was, but anyway, yeah, but so it was nice it felt very seamless um I and it was funny because I was talking to somebody who was like I don't know how to get an agent and I was like I also don't know and I wish that I actually had, you know, an idea or advice, but, but we, that's part of honestly, like what's, what's beautiful what about grad school. Of, and there unless are also, you're one of those people who yes, doesn't, which fucking yeah. happens all yeah. the time. And it's so $100,000 later. And the thing well, is, I mean, Yale is free, which is like, that's a huge, it's mostly free and what? you make money, you do work study. The facility. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, so, in Georgia goes there. That's even better news. But for well, grad yeah, school, drama. just, yeah, yeah just yeah, drama school. Yeah. very yeah. not free. Yes. That's yeah. 100K. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least earlier. It's so Ugh. scary. Yeah. yeah. So Yale Drama School is free. Well. So it depends on, like, where you are financially, but basically you can get full financial aid, and, like, the majority of people there are not paying anything. Okay. Yes. Which but is they just try amazing. and find every dime. You've yes. got. That you could potentially give. Yeah, and then you graduate, and they obviously start sending you all of the "Would you like to pay us money?" And it's like, hold on, I haven't exactly made any money yet off of your wonderful. But as an alumna, wouldn't you like to contribute? Yeah. Also, like, oh, you mean like the 
$1,000 that I made for yeah, four exactly. weeks of work. No, I don't want to contribute right now. Yeah, can we? <laughs> I don't know. Can we up the wa- equity wage, please? Oh, my God. It's a whole other conversation, anyway, guys. Yeah. It's real rough. Yeah. And then you guys decided to cook together yes. and talk about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why did you want to do a podcast? Well, we wanted, so we take this incredible course, third year of drama school, uh, with this amazing, you know, legendary New York actress, Joan McIntosh. And talk about a great director to work with. She directed uh, both of us. Yes. In two separate projects. And she, she's like one of my favorite people. I've Me too. I feel like my brain is conflating. Is she Arthur Miller's sister? No. No. She was like... Um, big like experimental downtown New okay. York in the yeah. like sixties. And Arthur Miller documentary that was oh, my New Year's. The Rebecca so Miller one, incredible. Oh and there was this dinner scene, and the and the, and his sister was an actress who was sort of like that. You're like, wait, that's his sister? Like someone really well known? Oh, cool. What N- if it not is his sister. Well, well, I don't know. No, no, I don't no, think so. You would know. You yeah, would know, she but, would tell us. But we'll look it up. You yeah. look up. You phone a friend while Ari is telling me about this class. Oh, and or so- look up who's Arthur Miller's sister. Great. Okay. okay. You kind of take it your third year. It's called actor-generated work, and it's just to kind of, it's for your soul. It's just to kind of ground you before you get spit back out into this cruel, cruel world. And you're, she just encourages you to explore other passions. And for some people, it's still acting. A lot of people develop one-man, one-woman shows that they perform at the cabaret or learn guitar or paint or write a lot of a lot of people write and, Not his sister. Wait, and who is his sister? Joan. Oh my god, I already Joan, Joan, Joan. It is Joan though. Joan Copeland. Thank oh. you. Thank God there was a Joan in there. Yeah, I was crazy. for one second. Yeah. I mean, I am, but not because of that. <laughs> yeah. So, it said what a great class. It was a great class and then oh. we were not the same year in grad school, so I took it th- but did you? I don't forget when we decided to do this. It was we were definitely working while I was in that class, and you were out living yeah. in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, what do I love to do? Cook. So maybe, and so does Sophie. And we always knew we wanted to do something creatively together that took cooking to a different to my um, house, to your house, <laughs> yes. indeed. I'm looking forward to that brunch. Yeah. I really like this idea. Yes. Puff pastry with eggs inside. I mean, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Um, we wanted to do something more creative or presentational or like, you know, entertainment-y with it. And so we just started, you know, really workshopping this idea in basic ways. We would like write funny things, write down recipes, gather pictures, just exploring what form. And what's kind of nice about it, realizing now, is that there was no time frame yeah. Like it's not, I think that's what's, you know, when you get an audition, you know exactly when it's going to be and you know exactly when you're, you know, you've got to start prepping and like, you know, the next morning you're going to be there or whatever it is. But with something that is a different sort of creative endeavor, like there's no timeline. So you don't, I think that we were allowed to kind of take the time to explore all of the different mm-hmm. options. And then if one thing didn't pan out, it's not like, well, oh my God, all yeah, that right. time is lost. Right. It's like, well, I've invested my whole bat mitzvah account into right. this project. Yeah, <laughs> but we were like, "Are we going to do? Are we going to make a cookbook? Are we going to make a blog?" Is it, and then it's like, "Oh my god, lifestyle blog! That's such a huge endeavor. That was like way too intimidating." And also, like, we don't want to be influencers. We never wanted to do that. Neither of us are really like technologically savvy or into that. We're kind of a little too old for that. That's not. It doesn't hit our generation as hard. Yeah. So finally. 
podcast was the last thing. And I don't know why, I don't remember if someone suggested it or if we thought of it, but it was, we just kind of had essentialized everything. We were like, what is it that people like about us? What can we give? And it was the banter that we have. And I was like, oh, we can just talk. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and then see where it goes. Then maybe we can start a website or then we can, I've always dreamed like maybe we can like start a little TV show. Yes, definitely a TV <laughs> show. But maybe, you know, we can do a catering, not a huge catering company, but, like, maybe we do someone's party once in a while, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, we have parties and, like, we can invite. It's You can buy a cheap ticket and come. Like, yeah. it's more of, like, a, a you not only hear about it, but you can taste it. It's, yeah. it's yeah, it's within reach. Totally. So, yeah, that's why it became a podcast, because it was the easiest way. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you could do, like, a theater piece around the food. For sure. I feel like we've thought about that. I mean, it would be so... I remember seeing this play, and they do it a lot now, the, the Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Um, they'd make chili. But I remember at Vassar, actually, some some big project, they, like, roasted a turkey during... It was a very long play, and they put it in the oven at the beginning, and then by the end of the play, it was done, and you could stay and eat it, and I thought, wow, how cool. Rick Bayless did collaborated with, uh, I think it was Looking Glass in Chicago, and did this sold out show and then they redid it. I didn't get to see it, but Oh my god. Sounded I was like just thinking amazing. Rick Sordelay, who was no, no, our no. fight coordinator. <laughs> I was like, and wait, makes a mean turkey. Does love to cook? No. Oh my god, Rick Bayless. Ooh, that's yeah. a big deal. He's like a big, amazing Mexican chef. Or he's not Mexican. Chicago I mean, based yeah, Mexican, Mexican chef. chef. Yeah. Ooh, yum. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see where you guys take this. Thank you. And I do feel like already I have a whole dinner party schematic or brunch that um, I can approach with a kind of confidence, mostly because the part you just said, I spend a lot of time apologizing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, am I making you sit too soon? Or I'm you, sorry, it wasn't ready. You or, do not. At least I, in this context, you right, have not. But I do feel like, right, like in my entertaining mode, I also don't always feel – I feel like everyone's yelling at me to sit down. They're like, mm. come sit with us. And I'm like, okay, first of all, stop yelling at me. It's mm. my house. I can be wherever I want to be. Mm-hmm. But I feel like anytime I'm at someone's place, the hostess is up and down. It is yeah, so the own nature. That. It's just yeah. part of the job, unfortunately. Right, but I'm just like – Stop telling me like that makes me feel like I'm doing it wrong. No, oh, I don't not. like that. But yeah. do you know what I mean? These mm-hmm. are my people telling me like sit down. I'm like I will, but actually, I just want to get a little more parmesan out of the yeah. thing. Like yes. so, I always feel like um, I'm in trouble or I'm not doing yeah. it right. Or we, yeah, that's very real. I think that's part of the antipasti plan. What? It is real. It is. Yeah. And I just want to say, I've needed someone to affirm. Oh, it's also, huge. There is no right way to host. And the reason why people are saying that to you, of course, is because like they want to spend time with you. They're like, or not you did all this bad work. that they're just sitting there exactly. while I'm getting up and down. But right. they, that's fine. They don't know where anything right. is. I Honestly, have to get up and down. that yes. is why we do the antipasti. And we do, I don't know if you listen to our punch episode, we do like a drink bar or a punch bowl. And we put it somewhere else so then... You are not only responsible for the food. I think often you go to someone's house and you're like, this person is going to serve me food and tell me stories, you know, and that's oh a, really annoying. Totally. <laughs> so sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm cooking and we're having it at my house. But like, you guys go talk. I don't uh-huh. need to talk. So I think often if there's food somewhere else or especially an alcoholic beverage for most people. Centered you know, someplace else. Someplace yeah. else. And then they can talk and gather there and they're not looking for you to guide them every 
freaking step of the and way. And I also think, I mean, obviously you have a family and like, I'm sure that a lot of the people that you invite well, over your kids know, each other, know each other. Well. No, but I was just going to say like, they can, seating people in such a way that they really can take care of each other instead mm-hmm. of you having to take care of everyone mm-hmm. is I think a really good thing to do. And sometimes it's hard because sometimes like you have that lone person who doesn't necessarily know everyone as well. And who, you know, you feel like you need to take care of. You don't. They're you don't. Adult. Like, they can handle it. They can handle if you go to the kitchen for more parm. As if they're seated next to someone who right. knows how to make a conversation. Right. But I think it's like, I don't know, just trusting that people, trusting that if you get up and leave them, it'll be okay. Right. You know? Right. But it's nerve-wracking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I try First it. of all, I'm happy to have a dinner party, but I really want to taste things that you guys make. So oh my God, well, you'll have to come over. Very exciting. And let's just keep checking in. Yeah. Let's yeah. Oh like, so fun. Let's yeah. start. Yeah. yeah. We're good. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So there you go. These are little known facts that now you know. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Do you believe in stories? I know I do. Do you feel like there is more to your story? Personally, I feel like there's more to every story. And I got some good news. There's this great company called The Pocket Media Group, and they can help you find the more in your story and tell it so it connects to the people you most want to reach. They specialize in video, photography, writing, design, branding, and strategy, all the pieces you need to start something new or polish up something old. And they understand that story, whether it's a photograph, a video, or words on a page, powerfully connects people and ideas. So whether you're a not-for-profit, a company, or just good old you with an idea, whatever your story, mission, or message, reach out to the people at The Pocket Media Group at www.thepocketmediagroup.com and let them help you start telling your story. Because look, we know there is definitely more to your story.